From Newsstand in Sacramento, this is the Capital Connection podcast for Friday, March 14th. I'm John Myers, political editor at News 10, with Anthony York, political writer at the Los Angeles Times. And we have a new venue for this podcast. Sorry, you thought I was going somewhere else. But. This, is the, uh, this is the Front Porch podcast. The home office of Anthony York at an undisclosed location similar to the Bat Cave. He had to, like, uh, blindfold me before I showed up at um, the York household. But it's a lovely part of uh, Rancho Cordova. Yeah, well, you know, greater Rancher Cordova. Okay. And if you don't live in Sacramento, you have absolutely no idea what that means. So um, a few things to talk about. It was a fairly quiet week in the world of politics, and we'll save kind of the, um, well, we'll save part of this for the end. Some of you will know what's coming here when we talk about the road ahead as Anthony and I have been, uh, I think we've like been hinting about it for a few weeks, haven't we? Been dropping subtle hints. You have to go back and play them backwards to get the real meaning. I think that works in the world of digital audio, but maybe, maybe. So um, uh, the Republicans are gathering in uh, Burlingame as we speak for their convention. Anthony's not there. I'm not there. I might actually, I'll be down there briefly on Saturday, but you are, you'll stay here on the home front. I, I missed them both, so better you than me. Okay. And uh, Democrats wrapped up their convention in Los Angeles last week. Let's talk about the Democrats first. No huge news. Out of that convention, the governor got uh, harassed by the fractivists, I guess as you'd call them now, the fracking critics, and the party was kind of quiet on a lot of the, you know, more talked about races, but I mean, and I think they wanted a no-news convention, don't you? Uh, well, it depends who you are. I think there were a lot of... Oh, uh, yeah, sorry, the party would have, maybe. The party, yeah, probably so. And This is sort of a stay-the-course re-election, as we've talked about, and when you have nowhere to go but down, if you're Democrats, then sure, you want you want status quo. Um, but uh, there are a couple of statewide races where they, we thought we might see some party endorsements, and they, they didn't happen in the race for Secretary of State and Controller. And, uh, you know, whatever, I don't know what that means for the, um, the long-term uh, political prospects or for what, 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 it, what it portends for June in terms of the race for Controller between Betty Yee and John Perez and the race for Secretary of State between... Uh, Lee, Everyone, Lee, Alex Padilla, Derek Cressman, right? Those are the three main Democrats, and Dan those, Schnur and Pete Peterson, just for more fun, right? Since it's not a closed primary, right? So, uh, but uh, I don't know if if things break a certain way in June, maybe we can come back and reconstruct a narrative out of the wreckage of last weekend. It is interesting. Uh, well, actually, I'll get to maybe kind of the way some of this might connect back to the Capitol in a moment. Well, the interesting thing about those campaigns, we hear a dog barking here at uh, Shea York. Actually, we're now also looking at the kumquat tree. The kumquat tree. Um, they don't have these in North Carolina, do they? Pe- people are going to miss this, uh, this outside podcasting. Birds, birds are tweeting. Um, yeah, thank you, Mr. Dog. Well, we're, uh, the interesting part, I think, about this whole thing about those endorsements is that, um, the, as we said, the party clearly didn't have any interest in, in getting into the middle of those contested primaries. And at the end of the day, um, when you have so many Democrats on the ballot, don't you also run the risk here of, of Democratic voters looking for that party seal? And, you know, so it's... It, well, that's, why, that's why it's such a valuable endorsement, right? So um, now there won't be any official recommendations on the Democratic Party slate mailers and things like that. So um, they're going to have to work for it. The, um, the, the controller's voice of John Perez makes me think a little bit about what we found out here at the end of the week, that on Monday at the Capitol, uh, Tony Atkins is going to uh, receive the vote uh, to be new speaker, even though she won't take the office of speaker, I guess, for 
several weeks or a couple of months or sometime to be determined. After the primary, I guess. Yeah, well, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> but I do wonder, though, I mean, you know, you know, does this give Perez a chance to, well, I guess he's not really stepping aside, but um, I don't know. After the primary. <laughs> I, that's, that's my bold prediction that John Perez is speaker until June. Third? Was that the Tuesday? Wednesday afterwards, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, uh, well, let's pivot for a moment to um, to the Republicans since they're gathering this week. Um, so this weekend is their kind of rolling out. I still don't know why they have two conventions. No one's ever answered that in all the years that I've covered California politics. They don't need two conventions. Here's just a note to Republicans. Um, but they've got their own contentious primary issue, notably the race for governor, and um, I would argue, in a way, not highlighting those candidates by having them on, what, Sunday morning to speak, basically? I mean, no big speech on a Friday or the big Saturday luncheon, which historically is the big part of a Republican uh, convention, uh, focusing much lower than the race for governor uh, is Jim Brulte's, uh mantra. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there was some discussion of whether the two gubernatorial candidates, major gubernatorial candidates, were even going to get a chance to speak at all. Um, apparently they're being slotted in on Sunday now, I'm hearing. So uh, I think you're right. This is uh, The Republicans are not a playoff team this year. Right? I think they've got a lot of long-term rebuilding to do, and they're hoping if they can win a couple congressional races, maybe take away the supermajorities, that will probably be a, a victory for the year. It was, uh, it was a week in which we talked about that Republican gubernatorial race uh, a little differently because it, it – um, had a bit of a kerfuffle, maybe we should call it, uh, until we see what else comes of it in the Donnelly camp. Uh, Tim Donnelly, the assemblyman from San Bernardino County, who is the um, the Tea Party favorite, uh, that wing, I guess, of the California Republican Party. He and his campaign manager, Jennifer Kearns, parted ways for some reason to be determined later. Scott Lay's got this great blow-by-blow -blow of, uh, I guess, some public disagreement around the Capitol earlier this week. You can read the nooner. There's the hat. There's the and uh, tweeting is involved, right? And it's some sort of Twitter back and forth and erasing of alliance. I don't know. It was well, and there was a Twitter part there, too, because, I mean, you'd start to hear the rumor that there was going to be a breakup early in the week, and I actually uh, sent a message to the candidate, and uh, I ostensibly got a note back, a um, message from... Uh, the campaign manager, Kearns, who said, no, there's no substance to the rumor, and then two days later it was true. Whatever. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a distraction, is it? It wasn't true at the time. Right. <laughs> it's a distraction, though. I mean, it's a distraction, and, and it also, you know, threatens to raise a whole lot of other questions and issues in a campaign where Donnelly clearly is the underdog to the newcomer, Neil Kashkari. Underdog, I think, in money and in the, 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 the party power uh, group, I think, who would prefer to have Kashkari on the November ballot instead of Donnelly against Brown. Yeah, perhaps that's true. I don't, I don't know if... Uh, uh, if Not ready to call him an underdog? No, I don't think electorally. I mean, I, I until until we see otherwise. I mean, it, it's we've seen... I know we're playing under different rules this time, but it's been difficult for moderates to break through in the Republican Party, and that's what Kashkari, I think, is positioning himself at, as more of a moderate than Donnelly on certain issues. I want to Make all the qualifiers to avoid any any whatever emailing or tweeting that might follow. Well, yeah, exactly. So because I mean, I you know I, I had a piece that was a bit of a profile piece on Kashkari that ran this week, and I asked the Kashkari campaign for some some 
information on particular issues, some of those issues that would define someone as a moderate or conservative historically in California, uh, abortion, immigration. And the information I got back was things he had said to other reporters and other places that was inconclusive. And so if you're trying to position yourself as a moderate, you're doing it awfully darn softly, not really standing out there and saying it. Yeah, and then you want to be able to say, look, there's a conservative route to the nomination and a, an articulate, you know, compassionate conservative message maybe that can be digestible to the mainstream and, and perhaps build off that. Again, not for this cycle, but in the Senate races in 2016 and, and just uh, sort of the... We've used the word so many times, the rebranding of the Republican Party or repackaging of the Republican Party. I, I think that um, that if Kashkari gets a nomination, it'll be a real interesting test case of that. And we'll see what sort of resources go into it and how successful it is. And, of course, what the Republican Party wants to do, and we said it a moment ago, Jim Brulte, the chairman, has talked about it, is he wants to focus on things he thinks he can actually get done. One, solving the party's financial problems. They've got about a million bucks in the bank with the most recent filing this week. And then focusing on a handful of congressional and legislative races that they think they have a shot at. I guess what his theory would be, you want to come out saying we won some things rather than we shot too high and we couldn't get it. Yeah, and I think that he's managed expectations pretty well, and I think that, you know, like we said before, if they pick up a couple congressional seats, take away the legislative supermajorities, I think um, that they could with declare victory with a straight face and probably get some people to write about it and put it on TV and on the radio and whatever else you're doing. Yeah, but yeah, in a moment. Yeah, but no, that's a really good point. He has managed expectations. I mean, because some people really want to challenge a lot of these races that there's no way they can win, as evidenced by the fact that uh, you look at some of the candidates, and I want to give respect to some of the ones who filed very late in the game for some of these statewide offices, but they they have insurmountable, it would seem like, I want to be careful, but insurmountable-looking uh, uh, hills to climb in beating some of these Democratic incumbents. And so, right, this is not a slate. You're not going to see everybody stand up there, I predict, with their arms raised at the Republican convention. You're going to keep that kind of low and focus on the I guess, ground game, you'd call it. And we have some interesting test cases in the statewide races to sort of test the Republican brand in that controller's race after you know, in November. And then whatever's going on in the Secretary of State's race, whether, whether sort of testing the idea of third-party viability, too, with Dan Schner's campaign, we might get a, a realistic update on sort of, of where that stands come November. So, that, I mean, there's, there's stuff to look at, but I think uh, we're not talking about a Republican speaker next year. All right. So this is the point in the podcast where we pivot. You ready for the pivot? We'll pivot. The dog has stopped barking. That's right. But the birds are still tweeting. Um, But I want to talk about changes in the world of the podcast and and how you can continue to listen. (laughs) Please, I want to hear this one. You want to hear this one. So let's start chronologically here. Last week after we recorded the podcast, uh, Mr. York, standing here uh, admiring his kumquat tree, uh, made some news that his, uh, his professional... Um, resume might be changing. He's going to step away from his daily beat at the at the L.A. Times covering the governor. Yeah, and uh, stepping into something a little uh, a little less structured. I'm not quite sure what it's going to look like yet, but um, I think it's going to be a variety of different things and sort of exploring all of the same issues that you know that, that we all care about, right? California and its politics, and I'm very interested in sort of what's happening to California and what California is doing to prepare for that change or not doing. And so ways of furthering that discussion, whether it be through journalism, through teaching, through research, through other 
things. Um, These better bring in money, though, or this lovely backyard that I'm standing in is is not going to be yours. You're, you've got to be. You need some money, young maybe, man. Maybe we need a Kickstarter campaign or something. Maybe well, maybe we'll talk about that soon. We might get to that. In the meantime, and then a few days after Mr. York, although there was a lot of conspiracy theory as to the fact that we had lined these two things up at the same time. Um, uh, my announcement is is that I am moving on to a different uh, operation uh, away from News 10 um, at the beginning of April. I'll go back to KQED. Um, a lot of you will know that that's where this podcast started in 2006. And so I guess we will, we will uh, place it back on the, uh, the, the public broadcasting servers. Uh, what KQED is going to do, for those of you who haven't heard this, is we... Um, is going to be a new politics and government unit, a unit of a few people, we hope, who are truly multimedia in looking at politics and government in the state. Uh, so I'll be the senior editor of that unit, as well as a, a political reporter. So I'll still be out covering politics at the Capitol and elsewhere. Um, and so those are our big changes. And so the podcast will go on. We have to continue the podcast because we don't need the nasty emails or tweets from uh, Daryl and Jessica or Phil Ong, these are the shout-outs, or uh, you name it. Or my friend Jeff Buckingham down in San Luis Obispo who wanted to know, the only thing he wanted to know when I had news about my job was, what about the podcast? So you'll still be around. I will still be around, and you'll still be around, and we'll find a way to, wherever it is, we'll be sure to, to let you all know. You can find me. Now, my new Twitter handle is AnthonyYork49. What's the 49. Uh, it's a little California. It's a little Thomas Pynchon. It's a little. It's my European birthday, September fourth. You, know, you do the day first in Europe. So, you really and thought about this, didn't you? No, it was available. <laughs> <laughs> Mine is the same, but yeah, the the podcast will uh, even if there's a delay or so, which has happened obviously in the past. Uh, we'll get ourselves back up and running. We'll probably be back in a radio studio, which probably will be a little more pleasing uh, orally sometimes. We won't have barking dogs or trains or... Part of the charm, man. You don't want to take away the charm. Although we did do one in a bar one time. I said that to somebody this past week. We did a cocktail version after some kind of conference one year. Do you remember? I, I'm open. Just, just uh, talk to my agent. Your agent, your wife, the lovely Mrs. York on the other side, who is motioning for Anthony to come deal with the weekend festivities. Anyway, we'll keep you posted. Um, clearly, there'll be ways to get that information. We'll get it out through Twitter and everywhere else where that's going to be. And um, should be fun. Should be interesting. It'll be a good year ahead and a lot of politics to talk about. So stay tuned. Stay tuned, says the man learning broadcast. That is Anthony York, 49. And uh, I'm John Myers. We'll see you next time.